And for those of you who remain, I invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 as we continue our survey of this book um, that was a prelude to Paul uh, arriving in Corinth to complete his own capital campaign. And the theme we consider this morning is what it means for us to go further in sacrifice. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. This is God's Word. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of righteousness, of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. This is God's Word. Let's pray that He would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask that You would abound to us with Your kindness and Your generosity and Your grace, that we might understand Your Word and what it means for us, that we might be a people who live it out. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this campaign has revolved around an invitation to pray. To pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord, what would you do through me to accomplish your vision for our church? Help me discern a sacrifice for our ministry campaign that is meaningful and joyful. And as we've looked through 2 Corinthians, we've considered what that ministry vision from God is. We have looked at what freedom from our debt might free us to do in that vision. We have considered the importance and centrality of prayer, looking to the Lord for guidance and looking to the Lord for provision. We've considered what it means to to know and have joy so that whatever our participation in this campaign might be, it will be meaningful and joyful. But now, it's time to talk about sacrifice. And I know you might be thinking, all right, here we go. Right, here's, here, this, this, is the, this is the hard sell. This is, this is where the pastor is going to get all manipulative. And, and, and I, I hope not, because I have... Uh, worked hard to invite, not to twist. 
to point to what God is doing, what God is calling, not to what I want or desire. But let's be honest. What we are trying to do, if we are going to go further in this ministry vision, if we are going to pay down that debt to equip us to do that, it's going to take financial gifts over and above what you are already giving. And that's going to require sacrifice. Our campaign consultant, this is now the second time he's helped us, he is all, he's just astounded at how generous this church is. Uh, the, the, the giving profile for the number of, of members and households in our church, he's just, how, where do you find this? What is God doing that he would large, enlarge your hearts in this way? And, and then for us to then come and say, will you pray about possibly doing more? That's a sacrifice. But we're not asking for just any old sacrifice. All right? What sacrifice would the Lord have you make that is meaningful and joyful? What is a a sacrifice that is faithful to the Lord's leading, that is faithful to the Lord and the Lord alone? What does that mean? And what would that look like? And how would we work that out in our congregation that we might be free to go further in sacrifice? Not just any sacrifice, but a sacrifice that is faithful to the Lord. We're going to talk about that this morning by observing three things about faithful sacrifice. First, faithful sacrifice flows from God's abundant provision. Second, Faithful sacrifice produces thanksgiving to God. And finally, faithful sacrifice is utterly dependent on the prior sacrifice of our God in Christ. So the first thing I want us to consider is this grace of God that would enable us to pursue a faithful sacrifice that flows from God's abundant provision. And this is important for us to start here, because when we start to think about sacrifice, so often, at least if you're anything like me, our mind goes immediately to scarcity. Right? I think back when I was a child and I had my favorite toy and somebody else wanted to play with it. Well, I only have one of these. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to sacrifice time with it so that you can enjoy it. We think about scarcity. But when you look at the Old Testament sacrifices, the whole Old Testament sacrificial system, it points to something different. There are all kinds of Old Testament sacrifices, but there are three main ones. Guilt offerings, thanksgiving offerings, and peace offerings. And if you go back and read in Leviticus, if you make it that far in your annual Read Through the Bible campaign, you'll find that there are all these different Provisions for those sacrifices. If you can bring an ox, bring an ox. If you can't afford an ox, bring a lamb. If you can't afford a lamb, bring a... Tur- and, and so there's this graduated scale because the, the point wasn't the size of the gift. What was the point? Well, the, the guilt offering <clears throat> was this opportunity for those who had sinned intentionally or unintentionally to come to the Lord penitent, repentant, and to seek forgiveness from Him. 
knowing that what they deserved from the hand of God was what the animal would receive, but that what they could receive from God was forgiveness, to be restored to a right relationship with Him. That that Thanksgiving offering was an opportunity to take the the first fruits from the field, the grain harvest, the fruit harvest, whatever it was, and to to offer it to the Lord with, with overflowing joy and thanksgiving, seeing firsthand this abundant provision that God had given and knowing that God was with his people, even in the mundane things of planting and reaping and harvesting. That, thank, that peace offering is this remarkable offering just, just to celebrate, to, to offer some of the portions to the Lord, some of the portions to the priest, and then to sit down in this great fellowship dinner to just rest in the peace that we have with God. And and the thread through these things isn't the type or the size of the offering, but that in all of these, there was this provision from God to draw near to God. That the point, the heart, wasn't about what the offering or the offerer or the worshiper gave up what they gained in drawing near to the Lord. And you see something similar going on in what Paul's talking about here in this passage. He talks in agricultural terms, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. But he's not saying this in sort of like, think think about how much you might get out of it. He uses it to point to who provides the seed. He who provides seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. You will be enriched in every way. He's pointing to the fact that we know and worship and enjoy a God who abounds to his people to enrich them in every way. And not in these ridiculous earthly ways that we think matter so much. This harvest of righteousness, this abundance of praise and glory and thanksgiving, this service that lifts up the hearts of the saints and unites them together. It's God who provides everything. There is nothing that you could possibly sacrifice that you did not first receive from him. And so a a faithful sacrifice doesn't dwell on the scarcity or the loss. It confesses the good news. This is the sort of God we know. This is the sort of God we serve. A God who provides Everything so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Like, like we think of this in terms of self-sufficiency, but it's utter and complete dependence on God who provides everything to sustain us, everything to make us right with him, to draw us near to him. Our sacrifice confesses the good news because there's nothing we could give that we did not first receive from him. 
It's important for us to wrestle with that. Sometimes the things that we don't want to give up, financial resources, time, energy, service, talents, the things that we don't want to give up because we're thinking about all the other things that we need to do, when we're in that place wrestling with whether or not we should sacrifice it, there is a moment for us to examine our heart and ask the question, what would this faithful sacrifice reveal about what I really treasure? Here, Paul is talking about a a significant financial gift that the Corinthian church is going to give that is going to supply the needs of the saints. But it's not only supplying the needs of the saints, he's saying. There's so much more going on here because coveting is being overcome by generosity. Selfishness is being overcome by love. Sin is being overcome by righteousness. The the giving of this gift is testifying to the good news of who God is. And it's showing the fruit of a congregation that knows that He is their highest and greatest treasure. Now look, you might be thinking, okay, well, here we go. What does this mean then for me with this further campaign? Well, what, you know, Pastor, what if, I, what if I can't pledge? What if I don't make a pledge? I, I won't know unless you tell me and I don't want to know. I'll have no idea. The point isn't about me. Not really about you. Not even about money. There's no brute squad that we're going to send out after you if we don't get a pledge card from you. It's about you seeking the Lord prayerfully, wrestling with, is it true? Do I believe that it's better to spend one day in the presence of the Lord, in His glorious courts, knowing His peace and forgiveness, overflowing with thanksgiving for His provision, than to spend a thousand elsewhere. What would it look like for me and how I manage my time and how I manage my resources and how I manage my money and how I use my gifts? Does my treasure of the Lord Does it shine forth in those things? It's an opportunity for you to be reminded that He has not asked anything of you. He has not already given. It's an opportunity to be confronted with His glory, with His generosity, with His provision, and to overflow with thanksgiving. What would it look like for us to learn that sort of faithful sacrifice? It would remind us that God is the one who provides. The second thing I want us to consider is that faithful sacrifice produces thanksgiving to God. 
When we think of sacrifice, if you are anything like me, and I hope that you're not, but it's real easy to start thinking about the return on investment. Well, if I do this, what am I going to get out of it? Even if it's just words of praise. I remember one time talking Wilkes into helping me shovel the snow off of our neighbor's driveway. And, and we get done, and, and oh, they're just, oh, thanking, oh, thank you. And it's, oh, no, no, we didn't do it for the, no, we didn't do it to get paid. We, I did it so I could have a sermon illustration in a few years. <laughs> right? Like, how often, even in good deeds, are we thinking, like, what? How is this going to help me? Right? And that's not at all the approach that Paul invites the Corinthians and us to take. Look, each one must give as he has made up his mind. Some translations say, in the heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He talks about In verse 13, by their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. This is is an incredible sentence. I mean, just meditate on what he's saying. That because you didn't just confess the gospel in word, but you submitted your lives to it in action. Because you gave in this way, they are going to glorify God because of it. Like there, there's no, and thank you also, Corinthians, we appreciate you. Whatever it is you're doing, God is going to receive all the glory. And isn't that the way it ought to be? Everything we have comes from Him. Everything that we do, we do in His strength. Like, what? who are we to think that we should receive the praise? But there is this overflow of many thanksgivings to God. Recognizing that the generosity of your contribution didn't originate in you. Even, even the bearing of fruit in this gracious gift, it didn't come from you. It came ultimately from the Lord. Our sacrifice isn't about us. We are always sacrificing for. For our children for our job, for something. What Paul is reminding the Corinthians here is that ultimately, on the deepest, most fundamental, foundational level, this work of service and giving to the church in Jerusalem and Judea by the Corinthians wasn't from the Corinthians to this church in Jerusalem. It was ultimately to the Lord. A thanksgiving offering to him that he might receive the praise and the glory. And that people would see that. And they wouldn't 
comment so much on the Corinthians, but on what kind of God must they be serving that they would do such a thing? So you become like what you worship. And if our God, who is generous and gracious, full of joy, who doesn't seek to strong-arm His people into some reluctant or, or forced obedience, but to form and shape them in Christ so that out of the overflow of their hearts they follow and serve Him, the more we worship that God, the more we ought to look like Him. So how would learning such a faithful sacrifice affect our witness? What would it mean for us to be less beholden to worldly idols, but to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness? How might we answer when people ask the question? And inevitably, They will. Scripture tells us. People are going to ask for the reason, for the hope that you have. Why why do you do the things that you do? Why do you believe the things that you believe? What is your answer going to be? Is it going to be about you? Or will it reflect your utter and complete adoration of this gracious God? This This is critically important for this campaign. Right, that we not act out of some sort of guilt, that we not act out of some sort of manipulation, that we not act begrudgingly. Like, I don't want to hear about it. I would rather you not give anything than than tell me, you know, six or eight weeks later. Yeah, I mean that's how I feel sometimes. I'm not going to impute that to you. <laughs> Even sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, if only I could have. We want each and every one of you to buy in to what God is doing in and through this church and what your role in that might be. Maybe that's not about money. Maybe that's about filling that nursery slot. Maybe that's about taking the 45 minutes to complete the care certification training. Maybe that's showing up for the prayer meetings. Maybe that's Opening up your home to those who don't have a place to go on special occasions or just on any occasion. Maybe that looks like a different kind of sacrifice, not some financial commitment to this campaign. It's not for me to tell you. It's not about me. What does it look like for you to wrestle with what this God is like and to be molded and shaped according to his heart, according to his ministry vision, that your life might reflect thanksgiving and praise to him in all that you are and all that you do, even after this campaign is long over. Nothing that we have came from us. It's all from God's abundant provision. So whatever sacrifice we make (coughs) ought to produce thanksgiving to him. (coughs) I knew it was coming. Excuse me. 
Uh, as glorious as the rain is, there's still some pollen left. But ultimately, what I want you to see is that faithful sacrifice is dependent on the prior sacrifice of God. Even in this campaign, we've tried, like, we are inviting you to pray. Certainly, there's an opportunity to give, there's an opportunity to pledge, but we just, just want you to pray. And whatever else happens, happens. And it, I've gotten a lot of questions, legitimate questions. I'm not critiquing it. Like, isn't that just another way of asking us to give? Isn't that just a, around the, the long way asking us to give money? And it's, maybe, I mean, it could be. It's not the way we intend it. But it's natural for us to, to move quickly to like, well, what, what is it you want me to do? What is it what is I'm supposed to do? What we see here is that Paul, as he talks about the Corinthians' gift, he keeps coming back again and again and again to what God's done. When I was a teenager, I used to drive uh, a neighbor of mine, Dr. Book, around town. He was a retired dentist who had lost his eyesight, and he had errands to run, doctor's appointments to go to, and I got hired because I was two doors down and had a driver's license to drive him around town. And what was incredible about Dr. Book is I didn't, this is before GPS, this is before smartphones, like I had an eight track in my car, if, if you can believe that. Um, it didn't work, but I had one. Um, I didn't know where he, any of these doctor's offices were, but we'd be driving down the road and he's like, okay, you're going to turn left here at the next light. You're going to turn right on Marion. You're going to, you're going to, how does he, he's blind. He was literally blind. But he had just done this so many times himself. He just knew where everything was. It wasn't so much what I was doing as much as what he had already done that got us to the places he needed to go. How much more here? When Paul says at the very end, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. There's this whole theme Throughout, where he's, he's looking to God, who he is and what he's done. To God as creator. He has made all the seed. He, he has enabled you to, to make the bread. He has provided all the things because he's made all things. He is the creator God. And there is nothing that is that doesn't belong to him. We are just stewards. But he is also the redeeming God. He gives to those who have nothing. He gives to the poor. He gives righteousness. To those who lack it, he gives generously to those in need, cheerfully, lovingly, joyfully, because that's the sort of God he is. He even gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, that we would be counted as co-heirs with Christ to receive everything that God is going to give him in all the abundance of his mercy. How will he who has given us his son not also give us all things? And not things that tarnish and fade and perish, but everlasting life with him in his presence.
All Paul is asking the Corinthian church to do, all he's asking us to do, is to follow in the way of Christ, to apprentice ourselves to him, to become the sort of people who are generous, who are joyful in service, who are overjoyed when thanksgiving is given to God. How would learning faithful sacrifice help us in that apprenticeship to Jesus? It ought to give us humility, knowing that there is nothing we can add to what God has already done. It ought to give us a dependence on Him, knowing that there is nothing that we have that we can't find from Him. A hope that even the smallest sacrifice that we make to help someone in need is used of the Lord for His eternal glory. And a boldness, a courage, if you will, to step into those places, willing to follow Christ where He leads, even if it costs. And so with this campaign... We passed out the, the gift profile sheet, and you might be thinking that we're then going to sit down and tell you which tier you're on. It is literally just a statistical analysis. Like, that's what it takes for a congregation to raise that kind of money. Which is good news for, for most of us, because if we just divided it up equally, like we would never be able to do that. It's not about equal gifts. It's not about me telling you how much. I can't. I don't know. I wouldn't have a clue. It's about us together seeking the Lord that he might form and shape us in our very hearts to be more and more like Jesus. That he might guide us to whatever sacrifice he would have us make for this ministry campaign, whether that is of time, talents, gifts, or service. It's about us recognizing in all that we are and all that we do that everything we have comes from Him. And we want everything we do to give Him glory. And so, if we're to go further in sacrifice that's faithful to Christ, we've got to look to Him. And that's why we've invited you to pray this prayer. Dear Lord, what would you do through us to accomplish your vision for our church? Help us discern a sacrifice for our ministry campaign that is meaningful and joyful. That we might be a people, when it's all said and done, who don't pat ourselves on the shoulder, but who give thanks and praise to God for His inexpressible gift. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that You would help us to navigate these things in this way that penetrates our hearts. It doesn't allow us to shield ourselves from weighing what this means for our relationship with you, for our pursuit of you, for our service to you. But help us, O Lord, to avoid those traps of guilt, of manipulation, 
seeking earthly gain. And help us to look to you and be encouraged that our Lord Jesus has given himself. We might be able to draw near to God and to serve him. Help us to do that for his glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our name.